0: Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off, Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox.
1: Guys, welcome to the show. This is Paradox, and I'm Josh. I am Jimmy. And we are excited. We've only really had a couple of guests back mm-hmm. on the show for a second I time. Know. So we are pumped today for the second time to have Shannon Martin on the show. Shannon, thanks for joining us.
2: It's my pleasure to be here again. Thank you so much.
1: Shannon is
0: an And author. I personally am just excited That we've been around long enough for her to be (laughs) back on the show.
1: Yes, we haven't gone down the (laughs) toilet.
2: Yeah, it feels like it was just like a a minute ago that we talked, but it's been two years.
1: Shannon is an author, and obviously we had her on the show for her book, Falling Free. She's probably most well known for her blog, and it's Shannon Martin Writes. Today, she's on the show to talk about her newest book, and it comes out October 9th. It's entitled Ministry of Ordinary Places. Shannon, you've also been told before we get to your book. It's been said that you found your voice in the country and story in the city. For those that didn't listen to the first episode, first of all, go back and do. But kind of tell us about kind of that country, city, and kind of a little bit about your background.
2: Sure. You know, I grew up a very kind of small town country girl. That was my entire upbringing. That was my husband's upbringing as well. You know, we both grew up in these these very small towns, living out in the country, and that is what we really believed was the life that we wanted. And so, you know, a few years into our marriage, we kind of reached that place that we thought, okay, this is it. We bought this beautiful farmhouse out in the country outside of a teeny little small town. Um, and we we kind of put our roots down there. We started really building our family during that time. And we really honestly believed that that's where we would remain for at least a long time. Um, and we were surprised a few years into our life there on the farm when we felt God nudging us away from this dream that we had finally you know realized. And we ended up... After living there for four years, we sold our farm and we moved to just a very ordinary, um, unspectacular, low-income neighborhood in a nearby city, and we have been there ever since. So you know, when I was when I was living that sort of country girl life that that I really believed I was made to live, that's when I really started writing, and so that is kind of when I came to find my voice as a writer. It wasn't until we made that big shift, that big life shift in moving to the city and so many things changed around that time, which again, you know, you can go back and listen to the original episode to hear some of that. But that's when I, I came to really understand the story that God had for me to share. So yeah, I do have a little bit of both here in me. Mm-hmm.
1: All right. So tell us about this book. It sounds fantastic. People can pre-order it now. The website, ministryofordinaryplaces.com. But tell us about the book.
2: Yeah, so this book, you know, my second book, it came out of a time of feeling like, you know, falling free. My first book was written from a place of just tons of change and shifting in my family's life. I mean, it seemed like at that time everything about our life was was shifting around and moving and changing. And it was honestly one of those one of those places in life where it's hard to almost catch your breath. But eventually you do. And so, you know, it's like we had all this transition and then I found myself living this neighbor life, which is what we came here to do. We came here to Mm -hmm. just live as neighbors, to learn what it really means to love our neighbors and be loved by our neighbors. But I kind of had this feeling of like, okay, things have gotten a a bit quieter. You know, we had really reached a new normal. Mm -hmm. And the question at that point became sort of, what now? Like now we're here. what are what are we supposed to be doing here? What does it look like to really um be committed to this place for the long haul? And at the same time, you know, the world outside of our home, the world outside of our neighborhood, and you know, you could go bigger and bigger and bigger. I mean, there was a lot of this sort of funk settling in the in the air nationally of just, you know, the news was getting more and more bleak. Everything felt pretty grim. The problem started to feel really big. And I found myself caught between these two worlds of, you know, these are, these are problems I cannot fix. And they're overwhelming. Um, I want to engage. I'm a type of person that wants to find solutions. I want to be involved, but I can't really do this. And at every turn, the answer was for me to root down here in my neighborhood, in my ordinary life, and be committed and present with the people around me. Um, and so, you know, the Ministry of Ordinary Places is kind of an answer to that. Like, when we're looking around at these huge problems and, you know, the the angst and the, the frustration and the air and the discord and all of these things, the solution to that is for us to find a meaningful place right where we are. And so that's that's the heart and the spirit behind this book, is just looking around, paying attention, learning to really love wherever we have been planted, and to do the work of the Lord right here.
0: The premise of your title, The Ministry of Ordinary Places, is sort of, in some ways, antithetical to where culture is today, and I would say where... The church is today. We have such a socially, you know, social media-driven persona about us all. It seems like everyone on Instagram or, or Facebook or Twitter or whatever is striving not to be ordinary. Birthday parties can't be ordinary. Trips to the lake can't be ordinary. And you're asking us to almost celebrate the ordinary. Do you find that this is going to be a tough sell in this present circumstance?
2: I don't think so. I think we are we are being conditioned away from ordinary like you just said, but I think our our souls, you know, who we are, I think we want to be we want to find beauty in the ordinary. We want to believe that we are enough and that our our life is enough, our home is enough, our ministry is enough. I mean, we want to believe that we can be enough and it's so hard because the culture around us is constantly backing us into the corner of comparison and you know backing us into the corner of bigger is better and flashier is prettier and you know that's where i kind of found myself in that sort of transition time in my life in this neighborhood i was just taking walks you know this was really basic stuff and just really starting to look around and and kind of commit this little this little you know patch of land to my memory and i found myself the more i was spending time just being a part of it the more beautiful i was finding it to be but i also felt this this kind of pull within myself like you know for example we'll go with the social media angle that you kind of presented i share quite a bit of images from my neighborhood and there would be times i would see something that i found beautiful and I would know most people aren't going to find this beautiful. Mm-hmm. and And there's a time that I wouldn't have found this beautiful. And it's still a struggle. And why is that? And the core reason is that we don't want to be, you know, we feel ordinary. We feel like we're not enough. And so we're constantly mm-hmm. latching on.
0: Preach it, sister.
2: we're we're latching onto these idealistic images of what we maybe could be. Rather than just really understanding just this who, is we are. who we are, yeah,
0: exactly. How many how many different creative ways can we take pictures of our children's first day of school?
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. But it matters. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. like this stuff matters. We don't have to despise the ordinary mm-hmm. if we can really begin to see if we can see the ordinary is beautiful. If we can see a home with you know a, a blue tarp stapled over the roof and grass overgrown up to our knees, which is one of those images that's kind of burned into my memory. If we can start to see that as beautiful, then maybe we can start to see, you know, our own awkwardness and our own shortcomings as as something beautiful in the light of God's power in our lives.
1: You know, your focus is, you know, how to do ministry in those ordinary places, but specifically with ministry, I feel like we just to your point, whether it's conditioning or, you know, we just skip over the ordinary. It's like, all right, I got it. I got it. You know, I'm supposed to love my neighbor. So, you know, I'll take them cookies when I first move into the neighborhood. But then that's really it. I, I want to have a million followers on I've done on my YouTube. ministry thing. Yeah. So that I can, <laughs> you know, or I want to sell everything and move to Africa or whatever the case may be. And that's not to say anything against those callings, if that's what you feel like you're, you know, you're supposed to be doing. But we so easily skip over the ministry of the ordinary.
2: Yeah. I mean, I I would have put myself a step further back from what you even just described. I for a very long time, and I you know I was raised in the church. I would have seen ministry as you're a pastor, um, or you're serving in overseas mission somewhere. Maybe maybe you're you know running a nonprofit somewhere here in the states. But I had a very narrow view of what ministry really was. I didn't understand that existing as a neighbor was a ministry. It was a
0: ministry, yeah.
2: And that's our calling. I mean, not only is it a ministry that we can choose, you know, we can choose it or not. It's like, no, this is non-negotiable. I, I don't mm-hmm. care where we live. We're not off the hook here because that—that that is our job as a Christ follower, and that's our gift as a Christ follower. So... We have to be willing to, to reimagine ministry as something that is just infusing whatever we're doing, you know, to earn our paycheck or to spend our hours. I mean, this ministry is just, it's, it's all-encompassing. It's part of all of that.
1: To your point, it's loving your neighbor you know is the second greatest commandment and i struggled with that same thing growing up and i felt like i had to do something big and what i discovered that it was a lot of pride in me i had to do something big for god and that was the biggest thing i could think about was moving overseas and and serving those people because at some level those people needed me it was it really wasn't about god but you even see you even see missions overseas missions changing where we're really going and training Neighbors overseas to love their neighbors, <laughs> where we we kind of are the Americans living next door to those folks that could be ministering to the people just right next door,
2: right. I mean, i I think I for a very long time viewed loving my neighbor as not hating my neighbor
1: <laughs> and
2: and and so now it's like, okay, you know, I've never hated my neighbors, no matter where I've lived. i've I've kind of, you know, I, I felt like I was off the hook for this overseas missions work that I really was always terrified that I would, you know, that that would be God's calling on my life. And at some point I realized sort of like, okay, whew, you know, that's not going to happen. So I guess, I guess I can just do what I'm doing and not hate my neighbor and everything is good. Really loving our neighbor is a very different thing from, you know, not being unkind to them. Mm-hmm. And it's going to cost us quite a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the good stuff. I think that's really the sweet spot of community and communion with the people around us.
0: You know it's to to embrace the ordinary and to embrace God's calling upon each of us to love the ordinary in His name. It's one thing to be an adult, you know if you're if you're mid 30s on up, you spent a good portion of your life you know internet and social media less not true of our children so as a mom as a parent when you when you say well how how am i going to instill this this appreciation of the beauty of the ordinary that that it's it's christ that gives something beauty not social status or the expense of the object or whatever how do you suggest for young parents to break this mold that the world has on our families right now in order to teach our children to appreciate and love the ordinary?
2: Well, the first example that pops into my mind is, is as somebody who does live part of my life online and on social media, I have become so impressed, you know, it's been so convicting to me over even the past year that if we want our kids to have a kingdom mindset of what success is, And to have a kingdom mindset of what, you know, the room for God's glory and God's goodness in our ordinary, in order for for us to begin to instill that in our kids, we have to be really careful what we are praising them for publicly or even with just the people around us. You know, with grandparents or wherever our circles are, I see so much on social media of, you know, parents being proud of their kids, and I get that. I mean, I have those moments where it's like I see one of my kids doing something really exceptional and and really wonderful, and I do feel that pride. But if those are consistently the only things that I'm publicly being proud of my Mm -hmm. kids for, then that's teaching them that their ordinary is not so special. You know, so I'm in a place where, you know, I... I can say my kids are all over the map academically. I have no professional athletes in my future. Um, you know, to be able to say one of my kiddos had to take summer school over the summer. And it was—it took a tremendous amount of grit and determination. And, you know, it, it required something of my child to do this. And we were extremely proud of that journey and to be able to say you know i am so proud of of him for doing the work or i'm so proud of her for having the courage to do this and to, you know to sort of really intentionally keep that keep that leveled out that i am not just pointing to you know, sort of those gold medal mom moments, but to say my kids, you know, I've got kids right now struggling and working their way through counseling. That is hard work. And we are so proud of that.
0: It seems like every time they take a bowel movement, we're sticking a sticker on the back of the Suburban with a little white outline of the child, but when that they prayed for their friend you know, that they gave their lunch money to someone who didn't have it. Where are the stickers for that? It just seems that it's so focused on the external.
2: Well, and and even, and even on the world's ideas of what successful means. You know, as a parent of a big kid, you know, our oldest kiddo, who is a grown man, he's 24 now, and, you know, part of our family's story and part of his story is that he has been... To prison, he's been in and out of jail. I mean, that's gonna pretty quickly change as a mom, change my mama heart for what does success look like. Mm-hmm. And what am I okay? Um, you know we it, it's not to say that every time one of our kids has a failure, we're gonna present that to the public, right. But it's okay, and it's a good and healthy thing to be constantly reframing what does success really yeah. mean? What does it yep. really look like?
1: So as we wind down our time, I'd love for you to kind of wrap up your book, The Ministry of Ordinary Places. What's kind of the main one or two takeaways that you hope readers get from the book?
2: So I, I wrote the section, or I'm sorry, I wrote the book in four sections. And the first section is dealing primarily with being attentive and paying attention to the world that we're in. Because I think so much of our calling is to to notice, to begin to notice beauty in different ways, to have our lens change for the world that we're in, to become people who listen rather than constantly the one talking, um, to understand the place of suffering in in this abundant life that we're after, and from there, you know, once you have eyes to really see what's happening around you, God's goodness is already there. You know, I, I I get weary of this idea of like, as Christians, we need to bring Jesus to the neighborhood, or, you know, we need to bring Jesus into our schools, or whatever the case may be. I believe in my whole heart that God is vibrantly at work in all of those places.
0: He's already there. Yeah.
2: Yeah, we can be a part of that if we're paying attention. You know, the the world around us is going to let let us know what it needs. And we're going to become more aware of what we need from the community around us. Like this is, this has to be a two-way street of receiving as we're giving to each other. Um, but but when we're doing that, we start to notice opportunities to really love our neighbor. And that means for me, you know, and we live in a low-income neighborhood. My husband is the chaplain of the county jail. Um, we have a lot of opportunity to, most of our time, quite frankly, Quite frankly, is spent with people who have lived really hard lives, and loving them in in large part means just being with them, standing with them through through the pain and through the suffering that they endure, celebrating with them, um, putting our lives and our time on the line for them, and then in the end, just committing. You know, I believe that wherever we are is where we've been placed for a reason. And, and I've learned to not say forever, you know, I'm not going to be foolish enough to say that I'm going to be here forever. I kind of hope that I am. But until I'm told otherwise, until I'm told to go, I stay. Yeah. I stay and I commit and I, you know, I'm in it for the long haul because the work of the the work of God is slow work. It is so ordinary and so slow And so mundane that if we're not really intentionally looking for it, we we might miss it, and I don't
1: want to miss it. And I think there's just so much apathy within the American church today, and in part—I think that's for a lot of reasons—but in part, it's due to this kind of, I have to do big things for God to actually be, you know— Doing anything. Doing anything for God. And we're not selling everything and moving overseas and so it's just kind of this big give up at some level but yeah you know, I, I do think that your message whether it's falling free or Ministry of the ordinary places like your message your voice is so important for our church today that if we only got this if we got this lesson it would radically change how we view our day-to-day making our faith more exciting and more compelling so Shannon thank you so much for being back on we we think that your message is is extremely important as well as timely. And Shannon, also,
0: again, you, you, you said, you know, maybe not forever, because there could be a time, your next book could be Ministry to the Ordinary Cow that might place <laughs> you back in a rural setting, because you just don't know.
2: Don't say that, please. <laughs>
1: Shannon, thank you. Appreciate you.
2: Hey, thank you so much. Have a good one.
1: Ah, we love her she's great. We've we've she's also been re-released. So we re-released some of our favorite mm-hmm. episodes, some of our most listened episodes and we've re-released that Falling Free. So if you go mm-hmm. back into our archives, you actually see it twice. Mm-hmm. But we we absolutely love what she does.
0: This whole idea is just important. I think you you hit it on the head when you're just saying that so many of us think, well, gosh, unless I'm in a Grammy-winning band or unless I've written some book or unless I go and minister to lepers in Calcutta, then, yeah, I'm just, yeah, yes, yeah, whatever. I'll just go to Sunday school. And it's either, you know, go big or go home, but going home is the big and for her to emphasize that our ministry, our important ministry, our world-changing ministry could be right next door in the house with the blue tarp over the roof.
1: Good stuff. If you want more information about Shannon, you can go to paradoxpodcast.com to pre-order the book. It's ministryofordinaryplaces.com. You can also find more about Shannon on her Instagram page, and it's at ShannonWrights. Again, paradoxpodcast.com to find us on our socials, as well as info about past episodes. We appreciate you guys listening. And if you would share it with your friends, if you would review the show, all of that is helpful to, to spread the paradoxical news
0: Mm. and one thing before we leave the Dallas Cowboys and the Texas Longhorns are horrible (laughs) they're just horrible see you guys see ya Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. for more about Billy go to therapywithbilly.com for more information about our Paradox evangelist Julie Lyles Carr go to julielielescar.com and if you want more details about what was discussed on today's
2: show go to paradoxpodcast.com